He's back. Welcome everybody to the Nerdpool Podcast with the fat fool who loves Deadpool, your host, Jamie. The water's fine. Come on in. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another, yes, another episode of the Nerdpool Podcast. As always, I am your host, the fat fool that loves Deadpool. Yes, it's me, it's me, it's a J-M-I-E, your 35th favorite podcast host, and as always, your Sherpa down the road of nerdiness. In today's episode, um, I've been gone for over two months. I've not had a new episode, I have not recorded a new episode, I have not even touched this equipment. Uh, everybody was, you know, I was getting messages, you know, is the podcast over, um, what's wrong, are you sick, Is something happened. I just want to let everybody know that uh, what it was is on February 3rd, Super Bowl Sunday, you know, when you're a football fan like I am and, and millions of people are, it's supposed to be like the biggest day for you. Um, I lost my mother to multiple sclerosis and complications from it. And I was very close with my mother. We, you know, I, I was I was a mama's boy. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I loved her dearly, and and she has been fighting for for you know since the mid '90s with MS, and she since a brain aneurysm and a stroke in 2001. She has not been able to walk. She lost function of her arms. Eventually, she couldn't see. She couldn't talk. She couldn't breathe on her own. Yeah, at the end, she couldn't even feed herself she had to be you know she couldn't even eat she had to be on a feeding tube and it it was tearing me up but you know she was here and then I ended up we lost her and um it's been a rough two months of just coping with it and and trying to get back into the groove of how everything was you know depression was a thing even though some people didn't know that it's a hard thing to do so if you've lost a loved one I, I feel for you if you know Anyone with multiple sclerosis, if you have multiple sclerosis, it, it's a it's a, it's a bitch. It's a pain, man. And watching that, people who deal with diseases like that, you guys are the strongest people on this planet. And I want you all to know that you have my love, my admir- admiration, and my respect because it it's not easy to see. And uh, I just want everybody to know that you know if if your your mom's still there, your dad. Your brothers, sisters, friends, anybody, whether you've had stupid fights, whether, whether no matter what, just just hug them, hold them close because you you don't know when they're not going to be there, and it's a it's a rough rough thing to do. But but I'm back and I'm thank you for all the support that's happened for the podcast. Um, I, I promise I'm not going to go on that long of a hiatus again, but I hope that you forgive me for doing that. As as really, it's just I I couldn't bring myself to. I couldn't bring myself to do do an episode or to to just talk to all you all you guys out there because it, it was it was hurting. But moving on, today's episode we are going to jump into Nerdpool Mania three. That's right, it's going to be the third year in a row I have covered WrestleMania, and it's one of my favorite times of the year. And I just I couldn't you know this year uh, seven plus hours people. It was such a marathon to get through this, and you know, 
when I think about WrestleMania, WrestleMania is kind of like dating that ex that treated you like crap. You you ended up you miss them you you know you you get you're finally gonna start dating them again you're gonna go on that first date and you're so excited you know you're like yes it's happening yes 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 I'm so excited you get ready and then a few hours later you're like can this just end already I know why I I left you Jesus and that's kind of how the WrestleMania thing is I'm so pumped at the beginning and after seven hours it was just oh I was just so ready for it to be over with. And ready for it to end. And it wasn't that bad of a show. It was a good show overall. It's just, it was such a long show to have to sit through people. And man, Vince, I hope you just scale it back a bit. I understand it's a spectacle. I understand that it's your biggest show. But that's a lot to ask of your fans. But anyway, we're going to be covering it. I'm going to let you know my thoughts and, and reviews of it. We're going to go. We're gonna just kind of blaze through the opening <clears throat> Uh, pre-show kickoff show matches uh first off we had tony niece going after buddy murphy as buddy murphy defends the cruiserweight belt buddy murphy has done everything he can for this division to try to elevate it and make it something they always put on good work he's done great work tony niece is doing good work tony niece wins the belt and honestly i I really just didn't care i don't i can't watch 205 live I, i try to watch it whenever i can but it's just I don't I don't know what it is. These these guys it's like they don't give them a lot of attention. They're not giving them enough stories, and they're they're doing their best and they're trying. And Buddy Murphy did his damnedest to make this, you know, make the belt mean something. And my hats off to him. But it's just plagued with people not caring, and it sucks because they put on some really good matches. But Tony Nese wins it. Where does it go from here? I don't know. Really, I just, I just don't understand it. Uh, where it's going to be next up we had the women's battle royal not the great moolah uh, memorial battle royal because she did bad things they're not going to call it the china battle royal memorial battle royal because vince still kind of holds a grudge i guess because she did porn or something this had every woman that was available a couple from nxt you had Kyrie Sane, you had um kenneth ray in there it it uh, Look, the women's battle royals never seem to work as well as the men's. That's not a knock on it. It's just I don't know a lot of it. I don't think they've got the nuances of a battle royal down yet. The women's Royal Rumble is always fun. This one, I mean, wasn't a bad battle royal. It comes down to we end up having uh, Ember Moon showed out as she's, you know, hitting Dark Side of the Moon on everybody. and She's hitting the Eclipse on everybody. And she had a standout showing. You know, I was kind of hoping that this was going to be like a, a standout for Dana Brooke or something because the way she's been treated and the fans were cheering her on, like they, they kind of wanted Dana Brooke to win this. I really suspect that Oscar was going to win it simply because she was the biggest name put in it. It comes down to Sarah Logan, Oscar, and <clears throat> excuse me, Sarah Logan, Logan, Oscar. And Sonya Deville, and I'm hoping out of those, I'm hoping Sonya win, wins it because I love Oscar, I like Sarah, but Sonya just, Sonya seems like she she she's in line for a push and she's just gonna deserve it. But what ends up happening is everybody gets eliminated. Sarah Logan's the last one. I'm like, cool, that's fine with me. Then we find out Carmelo never got eliminated. She was hiding under the ring. Comes in, battle, battle, battle. Carmelo wins it. Carmelo wins a pretty much meaningless battle royal that's not going to get them anything so i mean it doesn't really matter who wins this it doesn't do anything for anybody they just get up a they just supposedly get a trophy that looks like a giant uterus and vagina uh that's about it 
So then we move on. We have the Raw Tag Team Championship as the Revival take on the quintessential underdogs and the man, uh, Zack Ryder, and the man with the longest losing streak in professional wrestling at 269, Kurt Hawkins. Kurt Hawkins is in his New York Jets-inspired gear. And this match actually turned out to be a pretty good match. The Revival are one of the best tag teams in the world. They work so well, and they're a throwback to old-school tag teams. Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, they worked well together. I think these two guys are very underrated when they come to doing work and doing and being workers. And it, it was a good match, and it was a good showing. Um, Kurt Hawkins ends up getting the pin, so we have new Raw Tag Team Champions. He beats the you know streak of him, of his winless streak. And it, it's a good story, a good underdog story. And these guys, you know, the Revival losing them sucks. I think the Revival have kind of been pushed to the back burner and treated unfairly with how good they are. But these these two guys, you know, they're they're good workers. And I think they these guys can actually have a really good feud if they push it that way and go that way. So my hat's off to the new Raw Tag Team Champions. Just as you know, we're going to have some title changes in this uh, pay-per-view. So... Just sit back and get ready. Next up is the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal with all the men, which again, everybody gets, everybody comes down to the ring. Uh, the only people that get entrances are the Hardy Boys, um, uh, Braun Strowman, and the two celebrities, quote, quote, of Colin Jost and Michael Che from Saturday Night Live. Okay, look, WrestleMania is a spectacle. I get that. It's now become a week-long event. You know, there's access. There's there's wrestling shows. You know, NXT. There's a Hall of Fame ceremony. There's all of this work with different local and international and national uh, press junkets they do and everything, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and it's their biggest show of the year. And Vince always wants to put some kind of celebrity on the show. Uh, Colin Jost and Michael Che, A, are from Saturday Night Live. I'm pretty sure a lot of people don't watch Saturday Night Live anymore. They might even not even know who they are. If they do, Vince got screwed in this situation because he kept calling, you know, saying from Saturday Night Live, pushing the Saturday Night Live thing. They never, as far as I know on Saturday Night Live, they never mentioned being in WrestleMania. Braun Strowman never showed up. So it wasn't a tip for tad. It was they got everything, you got nothing. These two idiots get their own entrance music, their own entrance light. Jost is out in a Odell Beckham Jr. Cleveland Browns jersey trying to get heat. Michael Che is playing it perfectly of being scared to death. They get in the ring. Braun Strowman comes out. Bell rings. They get under the ring, going under the bottom rope so they're not eliminated. And they sit there the whole time while people are just getting tossed out left and right. Uh, at the end, the Hardys are trying to eliminate Braun Strowman. The, the, these two guys get out, run in, try to try to jump them over the top rope. He stops them. Blah blah blah. Colin Jost brings in his fuck a fuck a fucking therapist, quote unquote. His voice was annoying, and again, the the fans were shitting on it. The fans, the fans of WrestleMania, you gotta understand the big four pay per views: WrestleMania, Royal, the Royal Rumble, Survivor Series, and SummerSlam are not your casual everyday wrestling fans. Those are the times you get fans from all over the world, legitimate wrestling fans, because those are the big shows. They don't mind seeing a celebrity if these two guys were at ringside, if they were the guest ring announcer or the guest, you know, timekeeper or whatever. People aren't going to shit on it. They don't want to see these people in the ring. They don't want to see them wrestling. These guys have no experience whatsoever. And for them to take spots away, like Booker T said on the pre-show, for them to take spots away from actual 
wrestlers in the back like Mike Bennett, who wasn't on the show, Kevin Owens, who wasn't on the show. But these two guys are in there under the giant memorial battle royal. It, it was it was a joke. It was a farce. And when Braun Strowman clocked Michael Che to eliminate him, I kind of hoping he knocked him out. He didn't. I mean, he worked it. He's not going to hurt him. Colin Jost gets thrown over onto a bunch of people. Andre the, the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal is won by Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman goes out, picks up the trophy, sets it down, does the Andre pose with his arms crossed. Here we go. Luckily, those two idiots are out of the way. And we're done with them besides a backstage segment that's going to be later on, which nobody actually cares about. Now, moving on to the actual event, the big show, the granddaddy of them all, the showcase of the immortals. We open the show with our host, Alexa Bliss, coming out. As she says, she can make a WrestleMania moment with a snap of her fingers. She snaps. Hulk Hogan's music plays. He comes out. He says it's good to be back in the Silver Dome. Referencing when a few years ago he made the mistake and called it, you know, said he was in the wrong place. And then he said, makes a mistake of calling it the MetLife Center. So I guess his new gimmick is just mispronouncing where he's from and not knowing where he's actually at and just getting a payday for it. Well, as they're finishing, Paul Heyman walks out right by them, gets in the ring. Paul Heyman says, "If we can't be fir- or we can't go on last, we're not going to stand around. We're going to get it this over with, and we're going to go to New or Las Vegas, where my client is ultimately appreciated, stating he's going to go to the UFC in Las Vegas. Now, this was brilliant of him saying, if we can't be on last, we're going to be first. So we get the Universal Championship match between Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins to open WrestleMania, which is fairly insane because it's a big match. Now, we go in, Brock attacks Seth before the match. The match was short. The match was sweet. There's some F5s on the outside. There's German suplexes. There's three stomps. And what do we get? We get a new Universal Champion as Seth Rollins beats the Beast. He slays the Beast. And, it again, it was good for what it was. Brock's never going to have a five-star match. The only time Brock has a good match is when somebody carries him to a good match. Seth could have carried him. You, I honestly think this was short and sweet. I think this was Brock not giving two shits about it because he wants to go back to the UFC and get his ass kicked by Daniel Cormier. And... I kind of hope this is the end of the Brock experiment as champion. I don't want him as a, with a belt anymore. He doesn't need a belt. He's, you know, he's never been, I've never really been a huge fan of his, especially his return here. It was cool for a minute, and then it became that he's just phoning it in and getting money, and it really annoys me that people are still on this Brock Lesnar hype train. If they want to use him for sporadic occasions, I'm fine with it. If it's, you know, a match against Bobby Lashley or something. He doesn't need a belt for this. He does not need a title around him. He does not need to hold up the entire championship, of one of their biggest championships, because he doesn't want to work a full-time schedule, and they're going to pay him millions of dollars. I'm sorry, Brock is not that big of a draw anymore. Get off my screen. Get out of my face. I'm done with you. Yeah, I said it. I can't stand Brock Lesnar if you haven't known. Next up, we have a match between AJ Styles and Randy Orton. This match had the chance to steal the show. These AJ Styles is a, you know one of the best workers ever in professional wrestling. Randy Orton is one of the best workers now when he wants to. I think Orton kind of phones his matches in a lot. I was hoping that AJ was going to bring something out in him to where he didn't phone it in this time. And they put on a good match. It wasn't the barn burner that I was expecting or hoping because these two guys working together could have actually stole the show. 
it was it was a good match of Styles avoiding RKOs and them trying to go for massive RKOs out of nowhere. And it, it, I mean, it was an okay match. It wasn't you know the greatest match in the world. It wasn't the greatest match for either one of these guys' careers. AJ Styles hits the phenomenal form and pins him. AJ Styles beats Randy Orton. I don't think we've seen the end of this feud yet. They were getting kind of personal with the way they were talking. Uh, AJ Styles was bringing up Randy Orton failing drug tests. AJ, Randy Orton was talking about AJ Styles tanning with Dixie Carter and you know talking about basically saying that he was an independent darling and that's it. So I don't think we've seen the end of this yet. And I hope this isn't the best that they can do because these guys are, are two great workers and they could put on a phenomenal match. The match wasn't bad, but it just – it wasn't what could have been or should have been between the two. Next up, we have the SmackDown Tag Team Championships as the Usos defend against The Bar, uh, Sheamus and Cesaro, Ricochet and Aleister Black, and Rusev and Shinsuke Nakamura. Rusev does not come out on the tank, which kind of hurts me. The Bar come out and doing their thing. The Usos get a nice pop. Ricochet and Aleister Black get their entrances, and Aleister Black probably wins the... Guinness World Record for most uh, battery lit candles ever used in a pro wrestling event because the stage was fucking full of them. And he had some badass gear. Now, this match actually turned out to be really good with four teams. You know, usually when you have this many people going around, it can be a cluster. They all got their spots in. They all worked absolutely well together. Um, I think that Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev were probably just added to be on the show, and it sucks because both of these guys are incredible workers. Shinsuke Nakamura is being completely underutilized, and so is Rusev. They don't need to be a tag team. They need to be singles competitors, and both of these guys are world champion material. They just, for some reason, whenever they, they get over and then the WWE kills their pushes, I don't know what it is about it. But they, they got their stuff in here. Uh, at one point when Sheamus is spinning Ricochet, with the giant swing, and Sheamus is doing the 10 beats of the Bowery on everybody around ringside. It was impressive because Ricochet got spun for a good 20 or 30 times, and I don't know how Cesaro doesn't, Cesaro doesn't get – I don't know how he doesn't get dizzy doing this himself, but it comes up being, you know, the end of the match, the Usos lay out, lay out uh, Sheamus. They both hit the double tandem splash. They both jump from corner to corner and land on him. Good match. So far, this has been the match of the night that has happened. Um, I, the Usos retaining was kind of, I mean, I didn't, it wasn't a surprise, but also it was kind of okay. I was kind of hoping they would change the belt, maybe put it on Aleister Black and Ricochet, but if them not doing this, Aleister Black and Ricochet have lost now last Monday a, the Raw Tag Team Champions. They didn't win. They didn't win NXT Friday, and they didn't win there tonight. I'm hoping Alistair Black turns on Ricochet and they can start a feud together because both these guys, to me, seem like they should be single competitors. Alistair Black is money in the bank if they use him right. There was 80,000 people singing his music with him, popping for him. He's money. If if they're not, they don't see that he is a, a, could be a huge star for them, I don't know what to tell them. I mean, because Alistair Black is that, and Ricochet is one of the most graceful and aerobatic wrestlers in professional wrestling today not sports entertainment professional wrestling yeah i said it um so i'm hoping they become a i'm hoping they can become single competitors and because they they can both be money and be draws if if they're allowed to be next up we had the falls count anywhere match between shane mcmahon and the miz and this match was personal as shane has 
attack Miz. He attacked Miz's father. He is, you know, he's the best in the world. And this was actually a fun little match with these two. It was, you know, it was just a brawl and a beat down through it. And we knew we were getting an insane spot sometime. Uh, at one point, when Miz is down, Shane's in the ring, and he he's about to do the giant elbow from the inside to Miz laid out on the table. Well, Miz's father comes and stops him. He slides in the ring, and he puts up the world's worst uh, I want to fight pose ever. And Shane walks over, and Shane McMahon grabs his hands and puts him in the right place in a better spot and then tells him to get out of the ring. He attacks him, beats him down. Miz then comes in and tries to get help for him. They brawl through the arena. Miz is beating the hell out of Shane. And, it, again, good little, you know, good little back and forth, just brawl. They, 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 for what it was, Shane McMahon's not the most graceful worker, especially now that he's getting older. Miz is the safest worker WWE has. He doesn't ever take, you know, insane bumps. He doesn't ever do anything like that. And this, the ending of this match, saw them up on a scaffolding about 15 feet in the air. And... Shane, Shane is pleading for the Miz to, you know, stop. He's sorry. He didn't mean it. He, you know, he he's sorry and all this other stuff. Miz grabs him and superplexes him off of the scaffolding onto the floor, which is, you know, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be some kind of balcony type thing they land on. It's probably an airbag bag, but it looked cool. It was an insane bump. When they land, though, because of the suplex, Shane is on top of Miz. They're both out. The ref counts the fall. Shane McMahon technically wins the Falls Count Anywhere match. So we have not seen the end of this match. Again, for what it was, this is probably the best match on the card now. And it, it was a good showing. You know, it was fun. It got the crowd into it. And we all expected it to be a car wreck. And that's pretty much what it was. Next up, we have the Women's Tag Team Championship as... The Boston Hug Connection, the champions, are going to defend against Nia Jax and Tamina, the Samoan Slaughterhouse, uh, the returning Beth Phoenix and Natalia, and the Iconics. That's right, the Iconics. Uh, they all get their interests. The Iconics come out with a demon, with a devil and angel type little get together as Peyton Royce is wearing wings and Billy Kay's got on devil horns. Cool little entrance. This is their first WrestleMania, and you can tell that they're they're eating it up. Beth Phoenix and Natalia come out. Bret Hart comes out behind them as they're, they're, you know, just to come out on the stage and get that little pop for them. They're in matching gear that's inspired by the Hart Foundation, who just recently went into the Hall of Fame. The match ends up being the match is pretty good. Um, Tamina and Nia didn't do a lot through it yeah, until towards the end. Uh, this was mainly, I think, Sasha and Bailey carrying it. And Beth Phoenix and Natalia, as they're the best, you know, they're they're the best skilled workers that were in the match. There really isn't much to talk about here besides the fact that the uh, Billy Kay rolls up Beth Phoenix and ends up getting the win. And so the Iconics are the new women's tag team championship. And the crowd was receptive of it. And you could tell these two, it, it really meant something because they're both crying their eyes out. This is huge, huge for them. You know, I, I love the Iconics. I think they're a great act together. They're they're the mean girls comedic act that can actually work a little bit. They're not the best workers, but they've gotten a lot better. And obviously they see something in them to give them this. Now, Bailey and Sasha losing these, you know, that quickly, I, 
I don't really know what they're going to go from here. I don't really know what the whole thing is here. I really think they're going to split them up. I thought that was just a push to get the raw tag team or get the women's tag team division off the off off and running. And they need a they need to do something to establish these these titles as being a big a big deal because right now they feel kind of like uh, Impact and TNA when they had their knockouts tag team. They just seem like they're there, and the Iconics winning it can they can be the chicken shit heels that are chased by a babyface team that lead to people caring about the belts. And I hope that this isn't just a hot potato between, you know, for from team to team to team because they don't know what to do with it. Because you can have something special here with a women's tag team title that can be used to utilize and bring in women that you're not getting a push for the singles belts that you can actually, you know, have tag teams and have them fighting for something. So this is, I really hope they work with it. Next up, we have the much anticipated WWE Championship match between the defending Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston, the 11-year man, the man who's put his heart and his soul and his back and everything into this company for 11 years. And in the last few months, because of an injury from Mustafa Ali, has been thrust into the spotlight of being the most over guy in the company. Kofi Mania has taken effect. Daniel Bryan is coming out. So the question is, will Daniel Bryan beat Kofi Kingston and get that nuclear heat that we know Vince loves on his heels? Or will Vince pull the trigger after 50-something years and put a the WWE Championship on an African-American, on a black guy? It's It's been a question going around. If you look on, if you were looking on Twitter and Instagram, you had so many uh, former wrestlers and current wrestlers watching the product for this match, you know, with tears in their eyes, wondering if they're actually going to see Kofi Kingston pull this off. There's a great video before I get into this match about uh, with Shad Gaspar and MVP Montel Vontavis Porter at a pub watching it. And when the finish happens, they're the, the looks on their faces are just like, it says it all. And I suggest you go see it. If you know what I'm talking about, this match ended up being great. These two guys are fantastic workers. Daniel Bryan is probably the best worker, in my opinion, in professional wrestling right now. He went from being the most over guy, the most popular person in professional wrestling, to being the most hated person in professional wrestling in the span of a year, and that is not easy to do. Daniel Bryan is a master of the game. He is psychology, his psychology is amazing. His in-ring work is phenomenal. And Kofi Kingston is one of the best that's never got the chance to prove that he is the best. He is he was so underrated and so underutilized for so many years that him getting this shot was just a huge, huge, huge deal. And they finally, you know, let him have this shot to prove that he could be the man. And he didn't disappoint. This match was the best match on the card, hands down to me. They, they went out there, and they left it all in there, and they beat the hell out of each other. It was technical. It was high-flying. It told a great story. And in the end, with a one, two, three, we have a new WWE heavyweight champion. Kofi Kingston wins the belt with tears in his eyes. Xavier Woods, I've never seen a man more impacted Without winning the belt, Xavier Woods crying. I mean, he's ugly crying. 
and they're celebrating in the ring with Kofi Kingston and his kids who were there at ringside. You could tell the look on Kofi's face that this this boy, it reminded me of Shawn Michaels when he beat Bret Hart to win his first WWE championship. Just that boyhood dream has finally come to fruition, and it was so great to watch. And I'm like, I'm, I'm wanting to tear up. It's just a huge moment, and, you know, no matter what you think about WrestleMania, no matter what you think about the the matches or whatever, this mat, this WrestleMania right here means so much for so many reasons. One was because of this Kofi Kingston winning, being the first in in a long time to be the first black man to win a WWE championship. I know The Rock did it, and a lot of people are saying you know that's not fair because he's not. He's only half black, and a lot of people are saying that you know that doesn't count. It does count, but this is the first. This this was a a huge moment for a man who put his heart and soul into a company for so long. Who I at one it really has just come to the point of, I think he kind of just realized that he was going to be a mid card guy, and he was just out there having fun, and he was didn't think this, and then the fans carried him to this. And don't let it be, don't let it fool you, everybody. You we are the ones that carried him. The fans carried him to this, and. You know, with with Kofi Mania and the chanting of his name, we helped this happen, and it was a great, great thing to see. And you know, I know that this helped, this put a lot of weight off off of a lot of people, and it was a big moment for them. And for them, I hope you all enjoy it, Kofi. I hope you get a great run with it, and I really hope that people pay to see you, so we can so we can see this again because Kofi deserved it. My hat's off to him. And Daniel Bryan with a class act, putting him over, giving him the best match he can. This is match of the night, in my opinion. Phenomenal, incredible match. And if you watch, you know, if you're going to watch one match, I would suggest this one. This is just, this was my favorite one. But with this and the women main eventing WrestleMania, this is probably one of the couple of the biggest moments that have happened at WrestleMania. So my hat's off to Kofi Kingston, guy. Man, you did it, and I hope that you can uh, have a great run with that title. Next, we get a stupid backstage segment from the damn Michael Che and Colin Joes. They got ice all over their fucking bodies, and they're talking about why did you put us into this, and blah, 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 blah. And they do an interview with them, and they said, you know, we, we didn't think that this, we just want to try to help it. And then they say, well, you're in good hands. Leave now. They're in the trainer section. And the doctors are Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And Kevin Nash makes a joke about prostate exams being first, and that's about it. Next up, we have the United States Championship match. As Samoa Joe defends against Rey Mysterio, and me doing that introduction just lasted longer than the match did. Rey Mysterio Jr. was hurt going into this match. He had had a hurt ankle, and so there was fear that he was not going to be able to even be in the match. He showed up. This was quick with Joe winning in dominating fashion. We got to see the 619. So he got his, you know, spot in, and Joe wins with the Kakina Clutch. Uh, Joe really should have been in a higher spot on this card. He should have been in a more high-profile match. I don't know what their fear is with Samoa Joe and not pushing him. Samoa Joe is money. He's got a vicious streak. He's a great heel. He can talk. He can work. I, I, besides the fact that he's not a chiseled, ripped Samoan, he's – uh, looks like a Samoan. He's an overweight guy. I don't get it. I mean, the guy's money, and he could be a big draw for you as a heel champion. Hopefully, they see that. And this worked well for doing what he did. I mean, the match for what it was, what it was, and it got over. I was really expecting John Cena to come out and wait and you know challenge Samoa Joe, which would have been something he deserved. But they decided to wait on that. 
Next up, we had Roman Reigns taking on Drew McIntyre. Watching this, as soon as Roman Reigns' music hit, they cut the mics off from the crowd. They always mic the crowd so you can hear the you know the pops and the boos and the, just the, the energy. They cut the mics. Now, I don't know if they cut the mics out of because people were booing him or if they cut it because of fear that people were going to boo him. I heard reports that people saying that people were majority booing him. And it's, you know, Roman Reigns coming back from uh, a battle with leukemia, you would think would have made him a babyface immediately. And it did. People have been popping for it. Now, people aren't booing Roman Reigns the person. They're not booing, uh, you know, Noah. They're not booing him. They're booing the character. Because in this match, I think we knew going in that he was going to take on Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre is is and should be in the main event picture. I mean, he's... He's money. He's got the look. He's got the charisma. He's got the entering work. He's got the promo ability. And we all knew that Roman Reigns was going to beat him here. And I think that's what it was, is Drew McIntyre shouldn't have beat this, lost this match. Drew McIntyre should have never been put in this situation because you're going to kill the heat that Drew McIntyre has. You're going to kill the allure of Drew McIntyre. And I don't really think that they're doing a disservice to him. This match was short. It was nothing to write home about. This wasn't a classic. This wasn't even something you're really going to talk about in two weeks. I don't know what the deal with this match was. Roman Reigns wins it, but like the, the match didn't stand out in any way, shape, or form. They didn't do anything that was going to make me go, holy shit. They didn't do anything that made me go, well, this you know, this is one of the best, or even this is a memorable match at all. Like I said, in two weeks, you probably couldn't tell me that they wrestled, and I'd be like, when? When? It just, I don't know what happened in this match. I don't know if the chemistry just didn't click. I don't know if the, if it was Roman Reigns having a little ring rust still. I don't know what it was, but this match was just not good. It was, I mean, short. And Drew Mac, the wrong guy went over. I'm sorry. I know that he was returning, but the wrong guy went over. Next, we have Elias out. Uh, as we see on the screen, Elias sitting behind some drum sets playing drums. He goes to Elias over at a piano playing, and then we go to Elias in the ring playing guitar, and they do a little song together, which sounds pretty good if that's actually him. I don't know if it's him playing the drums and the piano or if it was just him miming. If he's actually playing all that, then then he's got a you know some musical talent because that's three instruments, and he does play the guitar very well. Well, as he's starting this, we get a video package of Babe Ruth calling his own shot for the Yankees in the 32 World Series. I don't. I didn't get what was going on. I didn't get if we were getting a Kushida reference because he does the time traveler gimmick. I didn't know what was going on. Then we get old school heel John Cena, the Doctor of Thugonomics, comes out. He's full on. He's got the word life rings. He's got the necklace with the. He's got the chain around his neck with the padlock. He's got the backwards cap. He's wearing a Babe Ruth uh, jersey. You know the Doctor. He gets in the ring, spits a freestyle. Talking about this, the John Cena heel turn. He's, you know, talking. He's talking down to Elias. It was a great moment. He ends up saying he's not going to hit him with the attitude adjustment. He's going to hit him with an FU. Hits him with an FU and a five knuckle shuffle. It was, you know, something just to send the fans on happy. And Cena got a bigger pop than I've heard in a long time. If they actually turn Cena heel, I think he'd be the most over guy in the company again. You know, just something right. Elias is a is, is a good hand. I don't get what this gimmick is. He doesn't wrestle anymore. It's like he just gets interrupted. And when he does wrestle, it's a two- or three-minute match. Anyway, we, next up, we get the no-hold-barns no match. Nose, I'm sorry, people. I can't talk. The no-holds-barred match. 
between Triple H and Batista. This is Batista's retirement match. If Hunter loses, this is his retirement match. Batista comes out with, in a convoy of Cadillac Escalade, black Cadillac Escalades. People get out looking like they're security. He walks to the ring. He nearly trips on the steps. He gets in the ring. He trips on the ring, on the ring ropes getting into the ring. I feel bad for him then because he's trying to be intense and he fucking falls. And it was hilarious. I laughed. I'm not going to lie. Even though I felt bad for him. He recovered well, but I'm just laughing at that point because you can't look like a badass after you trip getting in the ring. You know, it is not a good look for you. Then we get Triple H coming out next. We get a, on the wall in the desert, we get a Mad Max inspired little animation. He comes out on some Mad Max rat rod. Triple H always gets these elaborate, you know, entrances for WrestleMania now. Um, the thing I don't get, if you're going Mad Max, go full Mad Max, you know, go Fury Road, have the guy with the guitar shooting flames out of it, you know, suspended from a pole, but you know, have you a giant mask on, he just had a little bandana face mask on, a hood, you know, go full Mad Max, you you might as well, but you know, cool little entrance, and the match starts, they're going back and forth. We grab the toolbox out from the ringside area, Triple H does, and it has your average tools. You know, uh, it has a hammer, pliers, a foot of chain length chain for some reason. Chokes him with a chain, takes a pair of um, channel locks, puts it on his fingers, twists them to act like he's breaking the fingers, holds it down, stomps him, gets in the ring with a needle on his pliers, puts a chair over his throat, yanks his Nose ring out with the needle on those pliers. Triple H is just being vicious, and he's getting popped. He's getting pops, you know, for this. They try to go through the announce table, and they try twice, and it doesn't go through any of them. I don't know what they're making the announce tables out of, but they don't want to break now. They get up, crotch chop. Triple H spears him through the announce table. I mean, you know, it's a good little back-and-forth no-hold-barred match. You can tell Batista kind of blew up quick. I don't know if it was adrenaline dump or the fact that no matter how much cardio you do, in-ring is completely different. I mean, this was what it was. Triple H grabs sledgehammers. There, you know, power bombs on. There are power bombs on top of the ring on the steel steps. There's sledgehammer shots. It's just back and forth. Finally, the end comes with Ric Flair coming out, throwing Triple H another sledgehammer. Him taunting Batista as Triple H runs off the ring steps, hits him with a flying Superman sledgehammer punch. And, I mean, it was beautiful. He jumps off of it and comes down and hits him with a sledgehammer, looking like a Roman Reigns Superman punch. Pedigrees him, one, two, three. Triple H wins. Batista's last match, not a bad showing. Good little brawl. You know, you know Batista had a great career, and he retired. He He's retired the today. Um, you know, if that was his last match, I'm okay with it because it was fun, it was entertaining, and, you know... Him putting Triple H over was a good was a good look. I mean, we all knew it. Triple H is sticking around. Batista didn't. So, you know, my hat's off to him. He's going to go make a billion dollars doing Marvel movies and other movies coming up. So, you know, Batista, you did a good match. You, you entertained me for that. And, you know, my hat's off to you, man. So, good luck in your future endeavor. Next up, we have Kurt Angle's retirement match against Baron Corbin. People have been complaining about Baron Corbin being in this match. And I'm told everybody a hundred times, I've said it on Twitter, I've said it on Facebook, I've said it to my friends that say it. If Kurt Angle, if this, this is Kurt Angle's last match, and it really is, Kurt Angle 
if, if they say, hey, how about you wrestle this guy? If he doesn't want to wrestle that guy, he's going to say no. Okay. Kurt Angle obviously sees something in Baron Corbin. He, I think he sees that he can be a draw if they let him. And because he wouldn't do the job for him if he if he didn't think that. And that's what this was. Baron Corbin wins in shocking fashion. It's kind of like when uh when when Undertaker lost. Like the crowd's silent. Like they they everybody expected Kurt Angle to win here. The match wasn't great. Kurt Angle, I, I hate to say it, with all the neck surgeries, you can tell he can't move like he used to, and and it's a shame because Kurt Angle is, was, and always will be one of the best in-ring performers in professional wrestling's history. And, you know, just to see him move around now, it looks like it hurts. He He's in good shape for a man his age and with his limited ability. He still hits his German suplexes. He went up for a moonsault. And when he got started to go up for it, I was scared. When he did that moonsault, I, I tensed up. I was like, oh, God. Not because I didn't think he could do it, but because it's just – like I said, with his neck and his limit, I'm like, I'm just worried that something can go wrong. He luckily didn't land. He missed the moonsault, but he landed flush. You know, he didn't land on his neck or anything where he hurt himself, but there's no reason he should have been doing that. I know this was his last match, so he did it for his last match as a throwback, but there's no reason he should have been doing a moonsault. Baron Corbin ends up hitting the end of days on Kurt Angle and winning the match. Kurt Angle did what... The majority of people do on your last match, you go out. People can complain all they want. Shawn Michaels went out on his back for his last match. You know, Ric Flair on his retirement match did it. The Undertaker, what we thought his retirement match again at WrestleMania against Roman Reigns, he lost. That's what you do. You put over the young guy, and if you if he thinks Baron Corbin can be that guy, he put him over. He did a great thing. We get the farewell of him. I'm pretty sure we'll get a farewell tonight on Raw. You know, Kurt Angle, again, is one of the greatest performers that ever did it. This was short. This was sweet. Angle got his stuff in, the, the things we all wanted to see, and his family at ringside watching. It was a great moment. And, you know, my again, my hat's off to Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is if, – if I put a Mount Rushmore, Kurt Angle might be on my Mount Rushmore because he was just that damn good. He got it. Every aspect of it, selling, psychology, in-ring work, charisma – promos, what to intensity, comedy, he could do it all. Kurt Angle was a once in a lifetime performer and I grew up with him. You know, I saw him here in Memphis, I saw him in the WWE, I saw him in TNA, I saw him everywhere he went. Kurt Angle, you are a you are one of the greatest. You are probably one of the best that will ever do it. And thank you for being a part of my professional wrestling life and, and growing up with me because it was a pleasure, sir. And if that was your last match, which I really hope it was, it was it was a good one. Like it was good. It was short, sweet, and even though you lost, you always have my respect. And I think Corbin, Baron Corbin, even though he plays the heel persona up, I guarantee when he went back there, I guarantee he was crying and saying thank you for that because being put over by one of the best that ever did it is a huge, huge thing. Next up, we get the Intercontinental Championship match as Bobby Lashley defends against Finn Balor or the Demon Finn Balor. Bobby Lashley comes out with some contacts in his eyes, which I haven't seen before, with some, you know, creepy-looking eyes. Like, he looks scary. Then we get the Demon Balor entrance. And here's a question. With all the bad times we've seen the Demon in takeovers and WWE pay-per-views, 
why is it that on WrestleMania, this is the first WrestleMania you've brought the demon out. The first time the demon's shown at WrestleMania. It is the least interesting paint and entrance. Like, seriously, there was nothing special about it. him sticking his tongue out. Don't stick your tongue out. I don't know what it was, but him sticking his tongue out made it look cheesy. The the It was an intricate paint job on him, but it just didn't look scary. It didn't look cool like it usually does. His entrance was nothing special. He wore a kilt-like thing. He had his, you know, his dreadlock wig thing or hat on. I don't know. It just it didn't work. I don't know what it was, but this I think it was a waste of this demon gimmick. They could have this. They could have went something very elaborate, and they just didn't. This match was nothing to write home about. This match was very straightforward. You know, when Balor's in the paint, he's going to win. Balor. He wins. He's the Intercontinental Champion again. These two have kind of devalued the Intercontinental title by switching it back and forth. I hope they get away from it. Let Bobby Lashley move on to something else. Hopefully, a big name feud because Bobby Lashley can be money if you let him. Excuse me. If you let him, and then hopefully Balor moves on to bigger and better things. Also, this again, this is just nothing. The show wasn't bad, but there's just some. This, I think part of it was this was placed in a bad spot on the card being the technical co-main event the crowd is six plus hours in at this point they're just exhausted they're tired they just that they're not going to be able to take it much longer you know it's just they're they're getting quiet they're fatigued people are literally falling asleep and there's nothing against a competitor it's just a long time there are videos and pictures of people that are fell asleep in the arena Again, it's not the competitor's fault. They're they're out there doing their best. It's just the show was so long. And next we get the main event. Finally, after seven hours, we get the Raw and SmackDown Women's Championship as Ronda Rousey, the Raw SmackDown, the Raw Women's Championship, and Charlotte Flair, the SmackDown Women's Championship, all facing them two against Becky Lynch. It's a triple threat match, winner take all. Whoever wins gets everything. Now, here's the thing I should what I, what I was thinking could have happened. This was a winner take all, right? What what would have been cool to me is if Becky had went because Ronda Rousey has a friend, Shayna Baszler in NXT and she's NXT Women's Champion. What if Becky went down to NXT and said, "I'm not going to be the only one without a belt going into this match." I'm not. She challenges Shayna Baszler, which is Ronda's best friend, beats Shayna. So now you have an NXT, Raw, and SmackDown winner-take-all, winner-takes-everything championship. Now, I, I get, I know why they didn't do that, but I thought, to me, that would have been a cool thing. You have three champions. First time ever, I believe, you've had three champions going at it. Winner-takes-all. You had the story of Becky saying, I beat your girl. I beat Shayna. The Unstoppable there. I'm going to do it again here. That would have been a cool a cool moment for me. I think as a wrestling fan, for me, that would have been a good storytelling. But we didn't get that. However, we are getting two championships on the line. Uh, Charlotte Flair shows up in a helicopter from what her dad did in the early 90s. And it looked phenomenal. She's at a, you know, Charlotte always looks beautiful. And she just carries herself with that, that queen. She calls herself the queen. She carries herself with that. Ronda Rousey. She comes out with Joan Jett and the Blackhearts playing her injured music, you know. And that was a cool moment. You know, that was actually a big, big name playing music at this event. 
doing the entrance music for Ronda Rousey, and then Becky comes out last. Which one, this is one thing I don't get. The it seems to me like the champions, the majority of the champions came out first in this entire pay per view, and the tradition is the champion comes out last. I didn't get it. I don't like it. I mean, it may be a small little nitpicky thing, but the champion should be coming out last. That should be what the thing, what it is. But they were saving. I know what they wanted. They wanted to get that big pop for Becky Lynch. Becky comes out with no fanfare, no special entrances. And so going in, you know Becky's going to win this. Like, that, it has to happen. That's what everybody's wanting. The match starts. These women put on a hell of a performance. Getting the crowd into it after seven plus hours and then being as tired as they are, they were dragging, they were slowly but surely pulling the fans in. This was them doing their best. Ronda has picked it up, has picked up professional wrestling so good. Charlotte and Becky are two of the best female competitors on the planet. It was it was a great match back and forth with armbar attempts and you know submission attempts here and there they're beating the hell out of each other at some point ronda rousey apparently broke her hand severely like she really badly broke her hand ronda took a nasty spill to the outside that looked bad as she had uh, becky and charlotte in an armbar hanging over the ropes when they break it ronda falls and hits the ring apron and then the floor and she luckily tucked her chin but it it was a bad fall. Like you could tell it hurt. I don't know when she broke her hand, but she finished the match. So my hat's off to her. These women went out there and put on a hell of a performance. They did their best to draw it in and make this a main event worthy show. The ending was wonky. I don't know. If they the, the, the reports are that the ending was actually planned for Becky to pin Ronda, which she does. I don't think that they did it the way that I think they kind of got to go home. You have to get bring it home. Now we got to end this. So Becky crucifix Ronda and pins her and gets a three count, but Ronda's shoulders are not on the mat for two of those counts. They are not. Now I don't know if that's going to be the storyline. They can go with that storyline now of her saying of Ronda saying, You didn't pin me, my shoulders were up. She was protesting afterwards that it happened. I don't know if that was the way it was supposed to be. If you know, if that was going to be the plan all along, or if this was just a call on the fly, because of the the rumor was is that the trains and the subway leading into the city, because this was in New Jersey, were leaving in fifteen or twenty minutes. They had to get people, you know, to there to be able to get out, you know, or not maybe not fifteen twenty minutes, but they were leaving. The last trains of the night were leaving, so to accommodate the people coming in from the city, they had to get it go home. Now, I, so I don't know what the true story is. We might never actually know. The finish looked wonky, and I think it kind of, even though Becky won and it, and it sent people home happy, I think people were a little upset with how the finish ended because it just didn't seem like it was the, it didn't seem like it was the best use of it. It didn't seem like it, it went off right. I, I think it was rushed, but Becky wins. Becky is the double champion. The man, the biggest star in their company at the moment, wins her title, gets her redemption story. The issue here is is there's a couple things. Ronda is Ronda's thing. If she broke her hand as severely as they're saying, then she's going to be out for a while because she can't wrestle with a severely broken hand. Um, so is she coming back because this was the last you know, date on her contract? Did she sign another one? I haven't heard any reports. We'll have to find that out. But we still have Becky and Charlotte, and we have other women you you can bring up. We have Sasha. We have Bailey. We have other women besides that. Asuka can be a, another another player in this. You know, so hopefully 
we get it. And I think we might end up seeing uh, Shayna Baszler debut to basically avenge Ronda Rousey. We'll, we'll see how all that goes. But the thing that kind of annoyed me is because Becky wins, you get like 30 seconds, you know, a minute or two of her celebrating, and then it just fades to black and it's done. Becky didn't get her big send-off. She didn't get her standing on the apron, standing in the ring, confetti everywhere. She didn't get all the pyro going off, you know. It seemed to me like they rushed it, and I don't like that. Becky deserved that moment. This was the first female main event of WrestleMania history. This was a huge moment for her and for women all over the world, and it seemed like they kind of rushed it for some reason. The show had gone on this long anyway. If if people are leaving, it's one thing, but why not at least give the people at home to be able to watch Becky as she celebrates and, and you know, jumps around the fact that she is the winner of the first women's main event at WrestleMania. To me, they cut it too quickly, and it kind of it kind of just annoyed me a bit. We'll get that tonight. We'll get our coronation, and we'll get the continuation of the storyline as it goes on. Like I said, WrestleMania was seven-plus hours. It was a marathon. Uh, I love this event, though. I mean, for everything... For everything you say, people say about it being too long, and I think it was. You know, they need to scale it back a bit. It was fun, and this was one of the better WrestleManias of the past few years. You got everybody got sent home happy with what they wanted with Kofi winning, with Brock losing, with Becky winning. We got that. We got good matches. We got some not so good matches. We got the Kurt Angle retirement. You know, it's just it's hard to judge WrestleManias anymore on past ones. Like you can't compare them to other ones. Because it's become such a bigger spectacle now, but it was fun. It was it was thrilling, and and it kept me engaged through the whole time. Even if I was getting fatigued at the end, because seven plus hours is a long time to sit through any show, let alone professional wrestling. But you know that was it. Thank you guys again for everything you've done for me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying with me through the past two months. It's again. It was rough. Um, I'm going to get back on schedule of releasing these podcasts and releasing it for all the chimichangas and tacos because I do enjoy it. I just I couldn't bring myself to do it. I had to. I, you know, I just had that. I had that family stuff, and I had my own little mental stuff to get over with my mom passing. So I just want to say, rest in peace, mom. I love you to death. I miss you every day, and I'm I'm, on, I'm doing what I can to help in this fight against multiple sclerosis because no one should have to deal with this. No one should have to deal with, you know, a disease like that taking uh, the life of their loved one. You know, if I may quote uh, Forrest Gump in one of my favorite movies ever, he says, you know, mom always says that dying's a part of life and I really wish it wasn't. And I really wish it wasn't because she, she was taken too young and you know, she never got to live her life the way she wanted. And I love you, Mom. I miss you. And, you know, th- this show is for you. And everything I do is for you. So, I'll see you someday. That's all I can say. So, thank you all again. Uh, follow me on Twitter at NerdPoolPod. Follow me on Instagram at NerdPoolPodcast. Follow me on Twitch at NerdPoolGaming. Thank you all again for your love, your support. And WrestleMania's in the books, guys. So, For Nerd Pool Mania 3, until next time, see ya.